Uh, but they are also joined in that pursuit by a gang of rival bikers emerging from an off-limits bowling alley, which is maybe the coolest possible location <laughs> for a hideout yes. ever. <laughs> Can we yeah. talk about that for that a second? True. Can we talk about yeah. like how a tricked-out, abandoned bowling alley would be the coolest possible place for you to just hang out? Hello and welcome to Movie Struck, a podcast about movies and the people who watch them. I'm your host, Sophia Ricciardi, and I'm joined today by my dear friend and desperate housewives aficionado, Raj, Raj Chaudhry. I mean, <laughs> okay, yeah, I do like desperate housewives. Yes, welcome How's to the show. <laughs> Before we dive into the episode too much, because the movie we did watch, uh, I just want to put a little content warning for body and psychological horror out there. Um, <laughs> yeah. It, normally, I would recommend watching the movie we talked about before watching the episode, but if you are um, not a fan of either of those things, then I would maybe not recommend watching Akira, and we'll talk more about yeah. that as we go. Uh, but Raj, I, I only have really one question for you as we jump into this podcast. Why Akira? Uh, it is kind of like, I don't know, it's like the landmark film that you choose when you like want to like show like an anime film, because it was like the thing that came to the West, right? Mm-hmm. It was something so different than, like, from what anybody else saw that, like, the gore and, like, the body horror that, like, came with it was, like, kind of, like, it was a, what's the word? It was a draw for it. Because, like, it came out in 89, right? Or 88? 88. And, like, that was crazy for 88 or 89. Yeah. Like, no one was, like, oh, shit. Like, Japan was, like, coming out with, like, this, like, crazy gory shit. In the 80s, late 80s, early 90s, like... All anime was gory, like, gross shit like that. It's an, it's an interesting, like, difference in the types of media that was being put out, too, because the U.S. was very slow to adapt that kind of gorier stuff. I mean, Bonnie and Clyde is, like, very famously the first movie where characters are shot. Um, right. And, like, have a very, like, horrific death scene. And then this movie is just like, actually, you know what? Body horror yeah, all the way down. Yeah, let's see that arm turn into a fucking, like, disgusting baby man. Yes. You know, like by the end of the film. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. The first time I saw this film was when I was when I was first like actually hanging out with friends like smoking weed. Sorry. Mm-hmm. If you're on if this is a, a family friendly thing. But like, <laughs> I mean we're talking about the movie Akira. I feel like the family friendly label is yeah, long it's since fucking, gone. Real talk, like the gross the, the the film is fucking gross. Especially in like the second half. Mm-hmm. But like when you're just looking at it like from a visual standpoint it's kind of gorgeous. If you think about, like, how like, the animators, like, had to deal with all that stuff, yeah, it's it's kind of gorgeous. Yeah, it's definitely one of those movies where like, there's really, like, an, a, a case to be made for the art of animation here, even if, like, what is being animated is intentionally somewhat disgusting, like... Right. The, the way it is animated is still incredibly uh, artfully done. So mm-hmm. I suppose we should jump into it then, <laughs> since we have sure. kind of disclaimers out of the way. Uh, we open with a wide shot in a Chiron, ni- 1988, Tokyo. Um, don't get too attached to that cityscape, though, because a huge explosion starts in near silence and passes towards the front of the screen, wiping fully to white. Mm-hmm. We then zoom in on a topographical map into 2019's Neo-Tokyo, a sort of cyberpunky, gritty city version of the location we just saw get wiped out. So it was originally Tokyo, but Akira, the the title like person, destroyed it, right? Mm-hmm. That was like that's the first shot of, of what actually happens. Yeah. Um, at this point in the movie, we don't know 
what caused that blast, but we will we'll learn later on that that was the doing of Akira uh, back in the day. Uh-huh. And it kind of sets the scene for like the scale of destruction that is possible throughout the rest of the film. This is That's We're not talking theme. about like individual destruction. This is very much going to be on the scale of an entire city. But we go from that sort of like wide, wide view to kind of zoom into a seedy uh, kind of like dive bar, arcade, barcade thing. Uh, there's a bunch of guys hanging out inside. One man with a very standout red jacket. Oh, that is a freaking look. The, the outfits in this movie are crazy good. Track track suits in general were because of this movie. Like, <laughs> I will stand by that until the day I die. In 88, 89, nobody was wearing track suits until Akira. Akira really said the track suits are the tracksuits are the way of the future and we all were like you know what yeah totally so we we've got our our protagonist red jacket guy as of yet unnamed leaning on the jukebox on the outside uh a kid named tetsuo is kind of playing around on a red motorbike and a bunch of young hooligans come into the bar and grab canada as he is revealed canada as we revealed yeah yeah. i apologize Yeah, uh, my pronunciation throughout this podcast is going to be iffy at best. I do speak a fair amount of Mandarin, but this is not Mandarin. This is Japanese, so it's a whole other thing. Anyway. Yeah, you're good. <laughs> like, it's... You're not supposed to say Akira, but you're supposed to say Akira. And, like, I, I can't say it right. But, like, that's, like, the, that's like the way you're supposed yeah, to say I've it. Yeah, I've been no really uh, terrible enough at pronouncing French words since episode one that, you know what, we might as well give right. another language a chance to be absolutely destroyed by... Uh, <laughs> my lack of polyglotness the youths come into the bar they they grab canada and uh head outside where they meet tetsuo on the motorbikes um they trio of biker gang guys take off after another group of bikers who are causing all sorts of problems in traffic yeah the clowns the clowns yeah they're not important actually (laughs) but like they're like the inciting event like they help that inciting event with tetsuo before he runs into the the alien baby yes i remember his name uh, we get a little bit of banter back and forth between uh, Tetsuo and Canada about uh, Tetsuo wanting to take his bike. Uh, Canada has a very strong aesthetic of all red that will persist throughout the movie, and I am uh-huh. so here for it. That is a style choice. His bike is red. His jacket's red. It's great. They're taken off after the, rive- the clown bike gang, facing off against the different thugs. Canada knocks the other thug off a bike, but then the cops start to show up and they start to flee. We cut to a dude, uh, yet unnamed, and a very strange-looking, weirdly blue, wrinkly kid running down the street uh, as dogs right. chase after them. Uh, we don't really know anything about them as of yet, but we do see they are on the run from uh, all sorts of kind of cops or soldiers of some sort. Um, the man does shoot the dog, so rip to that rip. dog. That was that was a sad moment. But yeah, <laughs> uh, and they kind of bust out into the street where there are these protests against. We're informed by a news report that there are protests against a tax reform happening, and that violence has been used against the protesters. Which, oh boy. Yeah, it's uh, it, you have to think about like the time that this was like released, right? Mm-hmm. In 88. Like this is like this was pretty. I won't say revolutionary. It was kind of a big deal to talk about these uncomfortable things in regards to like like civil unrest and stuff in in Japan. That's like famously very like civil mm. and orderly. And in that case, it was a big deal, but like more so with everything else in the movie. Yeah, I mean, I, this movie really just touched on a lot of uh, themes that I, I, I don't. I mean, I'm not as well informed of the culture of '88 sure. so much uh, as I am today, and what was has been happening in like the last two years or so. But 
Uh, it's definitely hit a little bit close to home and it seemed very familiar in a lot of aspects. Uh, it's, what do you mean? I think there's like a lot of uh, with dystopias kind of visions of how society could go wrong and, and, and dystopias in particular tend to change over time, but there are also elements of them that stay the same. This is why like people always talk about how in 1984, this sort of censorship is a thing that right. could be paralleled in today's society. So it's interesting to see this dystopic vision with um, police brutality and that type of violence that is very much echoed huh. in actual society today. Um, you know, I never thought about the police, the police brutality, but like, yeah, that's like a that's like a thing that's like that is a theme that is like like uh, reverberated in like the movie, right? Yeah, it's it's throughout the whole thing. It, it's very common that like there is many many times where the backdrop is protesters being attacked by either military or police forces in the city while the plot is happening in front of it. So it's hmm. I don't know. So how I understood it was it's like it was it wasn't I didn't see it as as how you mentioned it, but I just kind of like thought of it as like. Most, like, Japanese media has some representation of the atomic bomb, right? Mm -hmm. Because, like, that was a big thing. The first shot of the movie, right, is of, like, a bomb or something exploding that you would would assume it's a bomb, right? Right. Like, if you look at a lot of, like, very influential Japanese, like, media or, like, a lot of them will start out in a similar way. Yeah, right. it, it's the Godzilla as a metaphor for the atomic bomb type of thing. It primes right. you to be ready for that a- sort of theme. Exactly. It's a theme that you see in a lot of Japanese media because America fucked Jap- Japan. But, like, it's it's kind of interesting how it, like, it represents itself in their, like, form of media. Yeah, I definitely would, watching that opening scene, that was my immediate first thought as someone whose most of their understanding of Japanese media has been through movies like you know, Gojira, Godzilla, um, I was like, hmm. oh, okay, atomic bomb metaphor, I, I know where we're going with this, and then the, the the opening sequence is a little bit less direct, I think, in that comparison. It's a little bit more of, like, establishing the the world as a, a the after effect, the d- kind of dystopia that they are now living in. But speaking, <laughs> speaking of where they're living, uh, you know, we've got this guy and his uh, weirdly blue kid running away. They, they burst out into the street where there's some protests happening, and uh, the police notice him and that he is bleeding. He tells the kid to run. The kid kind of just like stands in the street watching and he is absolutely lit up by the police force nearby hmm. uh, telling the kid to go to Ryu. The kid watches, he's really horrified. And when he screams, all of the glass and buildings uh, nearby start to crumble. And as the rubble settles, the kid is gone. Uh, we then cut to someone in a helicopter saying he's in the West and we return back to our biker gang, Chase. Tetsuo is giving chase to some bikers as they approach what is helpfully described as the old city by a roadwork so- ahead sign, R.I.P. Vine. With it back in the protesters, a woman named Kay is continuing her search for the kid they saw disappear recently. Hmm. Then we cut back to the bikers. We're doing a lot of cross-cutting. There's a, there's a film language term hmm. for everyone, all the listeners at home. We're doing a lot of cross-cutting between the bikers and the that. protesters. Uh, it's when you cut between two actions that are happening concurrently or are meant to seem like they're happening concurrently. So, um, in Like there's two scenes. Yes. So, if you, so for example, here we're cutting between the bike chase and the kind of search in the protester crowd for the boy. And we cut from a scene from the bike chase and then a a quick little cut back to the protesters. And it kind of makes those actions seem like they're happening at the same time. For sure. I think it is happening at the same time, actually. 
Yes, but, yeah. in this case it is. Uh, sometimes you can use cross-cutting to give the illusion of things happening in the same time, but in this case it's very literal. Knowing? <laughs> the more you know. Uh, Tetsuo is giving chase to the bikers in the old city, and he almost runs straight into the kid, but he there's an explosion directly in front of him. Uh, and as the other mm-hmm. biker gang members show up, they find him laying severely injured on the ground, pointing towards the kid who looks very scared. Yep. That's, that's how he unlocks his latent powers, right? He's like... His, like, mental powers, like, all, like, the cringe that he does, like, because of that one moment. Yes, this is... Because we uh, all have him. We're not uh, aware of it yet in the movie, but this is our, our inciting incident. This is the, the thing that is going to kick yeah. off uh, kind of Tetsuo's arc. And, you know, at this point in the movie, I was pretty sure that that kid was going to be very important. And he is, in a way, but he, he's definitely not the, the, the character whose arc we're following. Little alien baby. Little alien yeah. baby. Uh- <laughs> he, he, he's important in the manga. Sorry, I'm that guy. But he is important in the manga. <laughs> Most people who you think are important are very important in the manga. Okay, so the big thing with the Nova Akira is uh, the movie is the first half of the first volume. It's, it's a six-volume anime, right? So there are six volumes of manga that it has to adapt to, which was being made while the, while the manga was being written, right? Mm-hmm. So the movie was made while the manga was being written. So the movie is the first half of the first volume, and... The second half of the sixth volume, right? Yeah, that's like kind of like the reason why like it seems like the the two halves of the movie are very like disproportionate or like they're not like very similar and they're very confusing. Yeah, it, it was a little. It's a little bit tricky to follow in the beginning because uh, a lot really does. It's pretty. It's pretty happen to follow in sort general, of like a, a but shift yeah. midway through, like you mentioned, and I think it is a good place to note that this is an adaptation from a manga. So. Um, you know, it's a lot of, it's the, it's the kind of effect anytime you adapt anything for screen that is started as a written or drawn, in this case, work, uh, is that right. there's a lot of details that don't necessarily make it into the final cut of a movie or a TV show um, that would be included in uh, what can be a much more dense or much longer text. So it definitely makes me interested to maybe go back and read the manga that it's based off of because... You know, the the world building that they do accomplish, even in such constraints, is really, really interesting. Incredible, it's, uh, right? It's, it's it's a grim vision of a future, but it's it's also got a very specific sort of flavor to it that I, I find really uh, interesting. So we're back. Our bikers have found Tetsu on the ground. They found the kid. Hmm. Uh, they... They stop and they kind of like look confused for a moment until they are are suddenly uh, encircled by these helicopters. The child hears a voice in his head say, "There is no escape. We've come for you." And a <laughs> the bikers get uh, encircled by guards coming out of the helicopter as are what I immediately clocked as a big bad evil guy walks towards the kid. It's a very large man in a suit. It just felt. Immediately, I was like... The politician, right? <laughs> uh, the, I, the colonel. It's funny. Yeah. I think... Yeah, the colonel. Yeah. It's funny how you know the, the plot better than I do, and I've seen this movie, like, 20 <laughs> times. Because... Yeah. Anyway, uh, I take uh, I take extensive notes for all of these podcasts so that because I am I'm so incredibly aware I'm going to forget what happens if I don't. And with sure. uh, this is probably the movie that has had the most going on plot wise out of everything we've watched so far. Um. I mean, look, I I enjoyed Sky High as much as the next person, but it's, <laughs> in terms of story structure, it's pretty beat for beat. You know what's going to happen next. I think Akira was really a... It's a far longer movie, and it's got a lot more going on, so I wanted to make sure I really covered all of our bases right. here. Corporate guy as a, another child in a 
chair of some sort with him. Uh, they take the uh, blue kid with them, and they also take Tetsuo. Yeah, yes, for yeah. Then we kind of like watch Tetsuo get taken away in the helicopter for a second and cut to the next day, I suppose. At the Tokyo Olympics location, there's a guy who at first in this scene, I assumed that the group of bikers were just pretending to be Canada and his friends, but actually it's them. I don't know what it was about the way that they were animated in the first few frames I saw them where I was like, oh, those are like stand-ins. They're... They're getting out of something, but it's actually them. They're actually getting interrogated by a bunch of uh, officers. Yeah, so the, it's the shot with Canada, like, smiling, like, when he looked at his ID, right? Yes. That's what you're talking about? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, his hair was rounder than it was in a previous scene or something like that, and I was just like, that's not the same character. But it is. It's the same character. Um, yeah. It's a funny scene. It's a very funny scene. They're getting interrogated. They clearly don't care about what's going on. This feels makes it feel very, like, day-to-day for them that this sort of trouble happens to them. They get to leave, a guy pulls a grenade uh, on one of the officers from like this waiting room outside, but it just smokes, it doesn't blow up, and he gets dragged away. Canada spots a girl who we, the audience, recognize as the girl from the crowd of protesters that was looking for the child before. Her name, we find out, is Kay. Uh, and then he immediately hits on her after getting her out of the detention center with them. Without fail. With what a guy. Not even waiting a single second. <laughs> Within, yeah, what a guy, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then they go to jail. And then they go to jail. She gives him the <laughs> slip, so she manages to kind of duck away as he's watching. And we cut to kind of like these two big, powerful dudes talking about how they suspect there is a mole in the executive council. Don't get too attached to that detail. It's not really going to come up in the movie. And the guy from the helicopters, who we learn is a colonel, is in hot water for his handling of, quote unquote, the situation. Ooh. Uh-huh. We see Tetsuo in what is like the world's craziest MRI machine. I it's I love this trope in sci-fi where they're like, we need something mm-hmm. to scan a character. We're going to put like 80 MRI machines together and just have them all circle at once. And it's awesome. Uh, it's yeah, very uh, cyberpunk. Uh, there's that one Kanye video. Sorry, I, <laughs> I know I'm being Raj. But uh, there's a very, like Kanye was very influenced by this. And... Uh, like the song "Work It Harder, Make It Better," like that song. Like he made a video for it. It was based off of Akira, really? and it was that scene. Just the so crazy MRI machine thing. Yeah. Awesome. I love them. So now that I said that. That's my favorite sci-fi and fantasy trope. Uh, yeah, I think it started in Akira. Don't quote me on that, but I think it started in Akira. It definitely it shows up in a lot of like if you watch like a Star Trek or anything and they're like we need a quick uh, way to show that this medical machine is not just your daddy's MRI machine but it's this is oh, okay. then technology. Then I started with Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah, it's because Star Trek has been here. <laughs> Star Trek has been here is certainly a way to describe that, but uh, that is not what we're here to talk about today. We're here to talk about Akira. So Tetsuo is in this machine. His de- his quote developmental pattern is going crazy and resembles Akira, which uh, the developmental pattern they're referring to is this sort of like sci-fi music box. It's it's sort of like a waveform that's popping up and making all these like chiming sounds on some sort of. Readout. Bro, think about it. Think about it as if like they're like synchronous. Like what is the thing in Evangelion? Like it's like they're like the same like wavelength. Yeah, that's that's basically what what they're trying to say, right? Yeah, people got very confused at this one like moment where they're saying like, oh, they're very similar, but they're very different. Like mm-hmm. it's just because they're on the same like it, the manga is trying to say they're at the same power level, basically. 
but yeah. Yeah, so we get the sense that this that Tetsuo is capable of something incredibly powerful, but at this point, you know, we're still a little unclear on what exactly Akira is. The scientists are going to continue researching Tetsuo. They might be putting him in danger as they continue to develop his powers so that he can join what are referred to as the numbers, which we'll later learn are those strange children. The scientist sort of mute waxes poetic a little bit as a scientist that go too far in these movies are wont to do about baby, we shouldn't touch the power, the power of God. Uh, but they decide to experiment on Tetsuo anyway. So, you know, score one for Michael Crichton's endless warnings about the <laughs> asking whether or not you should, not just whether or not you could. We cut back to a vocational school where Canada and his crew are get slapped for being in trouble. One of the girls at the school is worried about Tetsuo since she's informed that he's in a hospital somewhere. We later learn her name is Calvary. Tetsuo, meanwhile, has managed to escape. And while everyone else is sort of in the classroom, he finds Calvary and suggests that they run away together so that he cannot be brought back to the uh, observation and operation rooms in that laboratory. Huh. He steals Canada's bike uh, and takes Cowie with him, and they start running. Canada notices that right. his bike is getting taken, and they take off after Tetsuo and Cowie. Uh, but they are also joined in that pursuit by a gang of rival bikers emerging from an off-limits bowling alley, which is maybe the coolest possible location <laughs> for a hideout That's... ever. <laughs> Can we talk about that for a second? Can we talk about, like, how a tricked-out, abandoned bowling alley would be the coolest possible place for you to just hang out? You know, those bowling alleys, right? Like, they, like, they, they have ovens and shit there for, like, they have, like, everything, like, for, like, a hangout. Like, a like a gang hangout. Yeah. Because, uh, like, the bowling alleys, like, the waiters are have to, like, give you, like, they have to be able to make, like, nachos and, like, mozzarella sticks and, like... <laughs> I like, I like that your head involves, like, an abandoned bowling alley that, like, the waiters still have to stay there. No, but actually, well, no, think about it. Like, any, like, for, like, a gang, like, they have very little standards. It's just, like, a place where they can all hang out. Mm-hmm. But also there's extra things there at a bowling alley. Like, you yeah, can, like, you, could bowl. you have entertainment. You, you can, can bowl. bowl. That's, you like, bowl. that's the thing. It's oh, 10 out of 10. You know, look, they're explicitly uh, the bad guys in the scenario, but they do have excellent cha- taste in, um operational locations hideouts <laughs> hideouts hide yeah. is the word i'm looking for uh you know they get pursued uh calvary and tetsuo get uh, attacked from the gang from the previous night the clowns uh who have emerged from the bowling alley as canada and friends are looking for them tetsuo gets knocked out bikers are caught up to by canada who on like running on his feet walks up and just freaking brains a guy on the bike and mm-hmm. runs for tetsuo absolutely Mad lad Canada. This will establish that he has absolutely no regard for the laws of physics or his own safety. He's a gangster. Man, the shots are nice too. <laughs> like the shots of him beating the shit out of those people are like nice. Like those like specific like like uh, shots are like very nice. Uh, not yeah. the word, not that shots, but like that like frame is very nice. Yeah, the the fight choreography and like combat animation in this is all very very well done. They they fight off the other bikers. Tetsuo is angry and violent and seems annoyed that his friends came and saved him and even tells Calgary to stay away cool. from him. Yeah. This will establish an ongoing trend of Tetsuo telling people who are objectively helping him to go away. He starts having flashes of something, hearing the word Akira in his head, and he watches as the ground below him crumbles and he thinks all of his organs fall out, but it, he's just sort of like hallucinating all of it. Hallucinating, yeah. Um, a bunch of scientists roll up and just literally walk Tetsuo away from right in front of Canada and the crew, who all are kind of just like, uh, okay, I guess we'll, we'll go kind of do home nothing, now. Dude. Yeah. Like, that's, 
it is kind of funny. This is like the one scene in Akira that I'm just like, dude, like that's your homie. Like he's like he's being taken to like uh, another <laughs> lab. It's pretty obvious. Like you do nothing. The like, first, you didn't do anything. Like, two or three times Tetsuo escapes and that they take him back. It's very much like are you guys just oh, not gonna okay, like let's go. try and. <laughs> keep them from taking him it's just like oh well they have lab coats on well, so tetsuo's i guess they gone. must be yeah. <laughs> rip tetsuo <laughs> like uh guys he's your he's your bro canada and the crew are all just kind of hanging about girls all go home and suddenly there is an explosion at the mall whoa bunch of guys with guns show up and start firing into the crowd canada spots the girl he let out of the detention center Kay, and he runs after her and the guy we saw in the crowd with her earlier uh who we find out is ryu and they they sort of just he's given chase they're running out of the way um ryu and k are uh trying to escape from the cops ryu tells k to go to her rendezvous point she's spotted by the cops as canada is chasing her down as well he manages to knock out one of the cops uh and k shoots the other who uh, looking very stunned that she actually just killed someone. Meanwhile, Tetsuo is being scanned once again. He sees these visions of his youth, uh, but the visions kind of like start crumbling. In another secret lab room, there is another child in a crazy bed. Um, this one is a little girl. She's getting treated very kindly with lots of stuffed toys. And she says she has a dream that the city will be covered in a dark shadow and begin to crumble. Many people will die and they will oh, meet goodness. Akira again. Um, and she says not to let that boy go. It's his power uh, that will bring this about. She apparently has this like precognitive ability. She's one of the numbers, number 25. Uh, and after hearing this, the colonel goes to a crazy underground lab under a uh, like Olympic stadium into like this freezing room. Or um, Akira's like body parts are spoiler alert. But yeah. <laughs> Yes, where Akira is being kept, uh, number 28, frozen deep under the city. Meanwhile, Kay is looking for Ryu as Canada relentlessly continues to hit on her. Like, he is following it's, her around and just... It's uncomfortable, actually. It's, <laughs> it is not... It is, as a man, it is uncomfortable to watch. Absolutely is, no like, regard like, bro, for the fact they are on the run from the cops. He's like, I don't care about that. So, we like, are, are we... Can we go line, out dog. at some point? Like, you want to go grab a drink? <laughs> Yo, I'm trying to get... And look, I... He has his, he has his priorities. I have, like, respect, but also, like, let's... let's look at the context yeah k is just like, not the paying fucking attention. tokyo <laughs> blows up every half an hour like let's uh let's fo- let's focus on what's important here yeah uh ryu shows up uh and he's like whoa can- who's this and questions canada who is now locked up in the rebels hideout ryu is planning to sneak into the lab to get to the new subject number 26 aka as we know tetsuo canada overhears them and reveals that he knows Tetsuo, and although Rue wants to kill him to keep him from talking and thinking he's a spy, after saying that he just wants to save his friend, they let him come along because even Akira is aware of the power of friendship. So now there's an old guy walking with Ryu who wants Akira to change Neo Tokyo. We don't really learn a lot about this guy. We do see him later on. He's sort of like a... He kind of looks like the weird children, but not quite. Um, it's just the only salient details you need to know here are he's probably a wealthy man and he, he's somewhat involved higher up. This is a politician you're talking this about, This is a politician, right? yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. Anyway, we'll get to it. We'll get to him. He's talking to Ryu. They talk about how there is this development of this cult that worships Akira. We see some of the uh, worshippers kind of like on the street trying to just uh, yell at anyone who will walk by about their cause. Um, they're quickly broken up by the cops. 
Meanwhile, in a meeting at Parliament, everyone is arguing. They all seem to be very anti-Akira research. Um, the colonel gets told he's going to be put before an investigative committee because he can't be the only one in charge of safety in the city anymore, and he just walks away, which, like, that seems like a reasonable thing to expect. Of that, There can't just be one dude in charge of the entirety of the city's safety since he seems to be able to operate with complete impunity and there is constantly infighting and protests. It just sort of... I've kind of, I was right. like, okay, clearly the intent is to depict a conflicted body of government and ineffective parliament, but also they're not entirely wrong to be anti-researching these crazy mind powers that they've sort of creating their own demise from. Anyway, uh, Tetsuo wakes up in a cold sweat and telekinesis is Wooder over to himself as he struggles to sleep. Um, as the rebels include now including Canada who has hit on K so much that he is just I guess now he's one of the rebels it's fine he's with them now uh, they sne- <laughs> yeah <laughs> he sneaks in- they sneak into the facility dressed as cable repairmen which is uh, hilarious because that is every suburban person's nightmare it's a classic it's just like yeah. a classic guys of like oh I'm here to ch- read the meter <laughs> hey I'm checking out I come from time for the cable dude I'm here to like to fix your like channels yeah it's, and, like everyone says yes it's great it would love the disc up at this point i'm like thinking we're gonna get a heist i'm i'm all in tetsuo begins seeing the toys that he's been throwing off of his hospital bed kind of climbing onto it uh he grabs them and there's nothing there and they start forming this like mega toy monster behind him he's freaking out yeah he's trapped in this it's- like evil toy world with milk floors where everything he'd thrown comes back to haunt him. It's funny, this this seems like low-key unimportant. It's like, it has nothing to do with like the end of the film. Like, it has to do with like, the themes of like, being young and innocent in regards to like, having a lot of power, but like, it has nothing to do with the rest of the film. Yeah. Like, theme-wise. But it's, it's, it's a funny thing to see. Yeah, uh-huh. it's it really doubling down on like, the hallucinations that Tetsuo's been having up till this point. Right. He manages to scare the toys off after he cuts his foot on some glass and they they seem scared of blood and as the toys kind of like leave we see the faces of the kids from before sort of inside them like they're jaegering these toy giants and we go whisking through the hallways as the alarm sounds and the lock on Tetsuo's room is deactivated. Doctors go to get him back in but he kills them all with his crazy mind powers and a very loud alarm starts to sound. Meanwhile, the rebels are climbing through the underground sewers, heading for the sublevels. They get spotted by these, like, pond-skimming speedster motorbikes. Canada finds a way out, and Kay is in a shoot-down with the crazy sewer glider thing. Canada, ever the mad lad, jumps on the flying speedster car and takes it out, uh, and never one to ignore a vehicle, pulls Kay onto the crazy hover bike, and they take off flying through the facility. They find out via the bike radio that Tetsuo has escaped from his room, and troops are struggling to bring him down and back to his room. Um, Tetsuo was heading for the A room. A gothic organ music starts playing as Tetsuo enters this A room. It's this toy-filled chamber with these tall ceilings. Wait, real quick, can we talk about the soundtrack? Yes. Real quick. Yes. Oh. So, uh, it's good. It's, <laughs> it is weird. It is Japanese, like, traditional, like, music or, like, like, percussion. I don't know what the name of the, that drum is. Mm-hmm. With, like, these crazy, like, future synths laid over it. And it's like, not only does it sound good and uncomfortable, like like the entire movie is supposed to be, but like it's a representation of like the whole theme of just like the past Japan is like this like destruction and like nuclear bomb and shit and like the possibility of the future. They're trying to like lay on that like theme and it does it really well. 
That's what I think. Yeah, it's, it's just really like it's a evolution of very like classical music, but getting introduced with all these like very eighties synths, and it's incredibly effective at being off putting in a in, but yeah. also uh, you can't not hear it. You can't not hear it's, it. Um, it's so loud. Like the 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 stings they have is so much louder than like the stings and like psycho or like any other like like just string yeah stings, it's, it's all bark. mixed in a way where like you have to be very present when they want you to hear the music like it's huh. it, it's not going to be subtle at all um and because so much of the movie is actually pretty quiet those stings really uh really really drive stuff home and when they're in full combat mode the music gets super crazy so tetsuo has busted into the a room he's reintroduced to all those giant toy monsters but this time has no trouble getting rid of them uh the kids start using the same powers as tetsuo to try and fend him off but tetsuo seems to be uh very excited that he has these sort of like crazy powers meanwhile uh 25 what the girl who had the precognition powers earlier has been giving directions to canada through k who she seems to have some ability to kind of possess a little bit and tetsuo in his attack on the children represents recognizes the little blue kid who we find out is named takashi uh he's from the highway and they have a mind battle it's not a <laughs> battle it, yeah. it's not a battle in the oh, center of the mind in that they're not in they're not in their heads like there is actual real world things happening when they use all these like mind powers but they aren't like no one is exchanging blows they're they're sort of just throwing rubble at each other the kids all tell tetsuo that they're trying to stop him from awakening akira but tetsuo goes like super crazy and the whole facility goes into deep lockdown canada and kai K, meanwhile are getting ever closer to the baby to the baby room they bust in, uh, and Canada says he's here to save Tetsuo, and Tetsuo kind of shows off his power and says he won't need Canada to save him anymore. Canada does not take that well. Um, yeah. He's just pissy about it, which, dude, read the room. Yeah, it's your friend, dude. It's like, <laughs> let him do his thing. He's got, like, psychic power. Just let him do his shit. Yeah. He's fucking crazy. Uh, Tetsuo's pretty much gone full power mad at this point uh, when 25 is facing off with him, and he manages to escape and fly out the glass side of the building, heading for the stadium where Akira is kept. The colonel yep, spots... That's like, the, that's like his next big plan. That's right? his next big plan. He wants, he wants to go to Akira to like... Well, actually, what does he want to do with Akira? But like, he, he just wants to like see him and be like, hey... And then, like, go on to the next part of his plan, which nobody really knows. Yeah, at this point, like, uh, Tetsuo, we get the impression that Tetsuo is very much just, like, drawn to Akira, but not for any particular clear reason, so much as just, like, that is sort of what's consuming him. That's, like, his only goal at this point. He's not really, uh, he's not feeding necessarily an appetite for destruction so much as he is, like, focusing on that one task. For the rest of the movie, he's more or less going to be going to Akira. The colonel does spot Canada and Kay, um... Canada overhears where Tetsuo is going. Kay sees the kids, and she seems to have a weird moment of recognition with the girl. Uh, and the colonel ignores them promptly and pursues Tetsuo. He in is informed as he leaves the building that he has been stripped of his rank by the council and is being placed under arrest, but the troops are still loyal to the colonel. And so he sort of uh, just, he just takes a military coup. He just performs a military coup. Uh, he uh, declares a state yeah. of emergency and arrests the entire council. He is completely in charge at this point. Tetsuo goes to the bar we saw at the beginning of the film. Uh, the bartender is incredibly friendly. Tetsuo asks for some capsules. Um, the bartender says that they're pretty expensive. We kind of cut away for a second as the other members of the gang enter the bar only to find it completely destroyed and the bartender dead. Tetsuo was there laughing menacingly and eating capsules. And taking those drugs, baby. Uh, <laughs> Drug addiction is, a big, is also another big theme in this, but it's like the only thing that I don't really understand. 
in regards to like, the rest of the film. It kind of feels ham-fisted, in my opinion. Like, the drugs, like, they're supposed to, like, keep, like, Akira's, like, abilities in check, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, this is, like, the only, like, criticism I have of the film. It seems like the, the drug addiction that, that uh, Tetsuo has with these capsules, like, it seems kind of forced. Maybe I, maybe I just, I haven't read the manga, so I don't know. But, like, it seems just kind of, like, put into there for, like, a really cool scene where he just, like, munching on those capsules when, uh, what's his face? When Kanga comes in? Yeah, it feels, it, it's, it's sort of, like, a theme that I feel like a lot of dystopias have. So it, it almost feels like it was sort of checking a box of, like, must include drug addiction. Uh-huh. Drug addiction. Drug addiction. But it, it didn't really, I don't think it's, like, one of necessarily the prominent themes of the movie because it's not, um... Not a lot really like said about it so much as it, it it's it's a point for uh yeah, a point where like I mean like yeah because the other shot with the politician but anyway yeah yeah that's true there's uh there's something happening with the drug addiction in the background but I'm not sure if it's necessarily the the most clear as to what is being said about that by the end of the movie Tetsuo now fully power mad when the other gang members show up just kind of like laughing menacingly his old friends question him they don't realize that something is completely crazy they don't they don't seem to believe he's really tetsuo uh and he tells his friends that canada's likely dead uh his friends go to fight them but they get knocked back and killed and tetsuo has at this point gone full villain <laughs> canada is talking with Kay about who and what akira is and every why why everyone wants them uh she sort of explains that akira is this absolute energy the source of all innovation and evolution uh they also say the so the, the, at this point the the children are talking through k pretty con- consistently and so this is their explanation of it and uh, we assume that they have some uh deeper understanding because they have similar powers themselves they say that genes were in the water in the air and i don't know if that's how genes work but uh, we're gonna go not, with it but, like it, it's just saying it's one of them right yeah like, they, they also have those psychokinetic powers. Yeah. Essentially, like, they describe Akira as an amoeba who got the power of a human. He doesn't build. Yep, he just that's consumes very... everything around him. Okay, so the, the comment about the amoeba, right? Mm-hmm. The point of that, like, that weird scene with Kei and Kareda is, like, they're trying to explain what Tetsuo is because at this point in the film, nobody really knows, like, what the fuck he's about. Mm-hmm. The, they're trying to explain that he's just, like, he just like because of his like circumstances like he just like a destructive force kind of like a cancer cell mm. right they just kind of like he, he just kind of like grows to grow or to just like become more powerful to be more powerful right? right and just like destroy like that's like that scene is trying to show that point right and like it's like another like reference to like mad like mutually sort destruction with nuclear weapons because each Besides getting more nuclear weapons and shit. It's, it's another part of that theme. Yeah, it's definitely, it's the most information we've gotten about what exactly these powers are supposed to represent directly so far in the film. Obviously, we've been able to draw our own association so far, but in this case, this is the first moment where it's like, okay, this is the in-universe explanation for what's going on. And it's still vague, but it does establish an important paradigm, like you said, of like, he's becoming more powerful for the sake of becoming more powerful and it's not really sustainable. He doesn't really know how to control it or what to do with it. Um, mm. the, That's what the, the kids are for. Yeah. Like they're trying to show him how to do it, but 
Yeah, uh, but he is not listening to them at this point. Kay and Canada uh, escape. They run and they run into the only alive member of the old gang who we find out is named Kai, which is very confusing because our girl's name is Kay and I got that mixed up in my notes multiple times. He catches Canada up on what's been happening. Uh, We get a little bit of Canada and Tetsuo backstory. They were sort of always together growing up. Tetsuo still seems very eager to find Canada's bike. Canada then crashes a bike into the wall to send Tetsuo a message, I guess. Kay, meanwhile, sees one of the kids and she goes off after them uh, and they are walking on top of this water uh, in this like ravine next to them. And as they're walking, they disappear. Canada then hears the little girl's voice in his head speaking directly to him. Uh, that yeah, they... that's what's her face. That's the Ill... that's a lady alien baby. I don't remember uh, 25, name. I think, is what they refer to her as yeah. up to this point. They say they took Kay so that they can help. Other alien baby. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Oh, the alien babies. Uh, the dude who was walking with Ryu earlier is uh, running and picking up cash. He's trying to flee from the coup, presumably. Uh, when Ryu enters the room and says that his mission was a failure, the politician dude then shoots Ryu, who does not die at this point. It takes him a good long while to bleed out. We go to see what Tetsuo has been up to. He's at 7th Avenue making himself a cape out of this like ban- red banner. He's going absolutely wild. Classic classic like full anime villain at this point uh, military is firing like tanks at him but bullets are doing nothing and people begin to celebrate that it's lord akira uh, and begin cheering tetsuo yep. on that lady who's like the the cult leader that like the person who's like on that seat right yes who is like this the shot she's a very important person in the manga sorry i'm being that guy <laughs> but like she is like a super she's like a main character in the manga and, like, she has always been, like, a person who has been, like, pro-Akira. And, like, she has been part of, like, this, like, this movement for a while. There's a whole arc with her. That's good context, because to me, I was just like, oh, okay, worshippers, good to know. But that is, uh, that's why you do the reading, kids. Ryu and the old man he's working for, uh, they both die in an alleyway watching the kind of chaos in the streets. The press are then silenced as various helicopters and TV stream feeds go quiet. Calvary tries to see what's happening uh, on one of those classic, like, eight TV screens stacked on top of each other in a store window that are yeah, all broadcasting the news. Yeah, uh, they all... yeah, because, you know, stores, stores. that TVs. <laughs> They're all showing the news. Yep. Um, they all go to static. No one knows what's going on. It's chaos in the city. Um, Canada is now back in his iconic jacket and red bike look, heading off mm-hmm. alone to fight Tetsuo. I cannot stress enough how much I love and this he look. Pulls off, he pulls out the, the, the cover for the, the bike. Yeah. That's such a, oh. That is such a nice shot. That's a classic Ooh. shot. The shot, that shot, and uh, the shot where Tetsuo is like sliding on, like, it's like a vert- it's like a horizontal where he's like sliding horizontally like on like the road. Mm-hmm. Like that, those were both like super like like influential shots in anime like you see so many like copy like carbon copies there were of a lot of moments in uh this movie where there's a lot of like very intricate sort of like bike action sequences and a lot of them i was doing some reading on it afterwards are like referenced in everything from like teen titans to other anime to, it's just it's all over the it place. is i read somewhere that it is the most like reference anime trope mm-hmm. like i do not quote me on this but i've heard it is the most reference anime trope like that acute uh with Tetsuo, like, sliding horizontally on that bike, like, that is the most, like, that shot is, like, the most, like, reference, like, anime thing. I read it somewhere. Yeah, but I think it's... I wouldn't be surprised if that was true. It's very, I mean, it's it's an incredibly cool visual. I'm not surprised it's what people have Looks latched sick. onto. We've got an upcoming episode on Tron Legacy that's going to really scratch that bicycle oh, itch. Oh, wow. so. <laughs> Hey, 
That so this if, if you liked very, uh... very inspired by frog, <laughs> you couldn't tell. They couldn't tell by bikes in general. Yeah, if you liked Akira's amount of uh, super cool cyberpunk bike shots, you're going to love that episode on Tron Legacy. Um, we all like bikes. <laughs> Tetsuo, the soldiers are firing at him, but they, they're hitting the protesters more than him. It's a whole uh, thing. Tetsuo destroys an entire bridge, taking everyone who's on it down. The soldiers who should at this point be on guard for Tetsuo specifically don't seem super well informed on him and what he can do but Akira and Tetsuo's brain scan is growing ever more in sync as he breaks into the Olympic site where the cold storage is and emerging from Akira's place of storage is Kei speaking through her uh, 25. The children warn Tetsuo that if he uses his powers in this way he won't be able to control them um, so now Tetsuo and K slash the children are fighting as Canada continues riding towards the stadium surveying the damage. The colonel arrives at the Olympic site as Akira's pod emerges from the uh, deep underground where it has been stored. Tetsuo standing on top as these cold storage tubes are popping out of the side. K is still fighting Tetsuo now on top of the Akira pod, which breaks open and K is rocketed into the sky. Uh, don't worry, she's fine. Spoiler alert. Yeah, spoiler alert, she's totally okay. Tetsuo approaches Akira's last closed tiny pod, tells it to open up, and finds inside a number of smaller vials. The colonel informs him that that is what's left that of Akira's Akira. body. Yeah, that's Akira. That's it. Um, and the, that's the end of the movie. Yeah, he... <laughs> <laughs> He's been subject to every single test known to science, and the scientists froze their samples for future generations, so they essentially, like, tore this guy to shreds. Um, yep. Akira's been dead this whole time. Whoa, Tetsuo just laughs. The colonel readies a weapon called Soul to use against Tetsuo, uh, as Canada, never one to stop and survey what's happening, continues on his red bike and just heads straight for Tetsuo. They take a second to chat he's like old friends. Mind. Yeah, <laughs> he's very much is like the, the classic, like, He's not quite a Goku in that he's not quite that um, no, he's a Vegeta, simple. Dude. He's Just a Vegeta, like, though. Tetsuo looks like Vegeta. But, like, he's the actual Vegeta, you Yeah, know? yeah. Because he just keeps going for some dumb reason. Anyway. <laughs> they chat like old friends for just a, just a moment before their climatic battle. Um, but Canada actually manages to, like, knock Tetsuo back a bit before Tetsuo really starts fighting back. So you're like, whoa, is he effective? But no, he's just a dude. Canada sees Kay climbing out of the rubble and goes to hide as well. Uh, he manages to hit Tetsuo... But uh, Tetsuo is totally chill with it. And Canada's, like, laser blaster runs out of battery, which, oh, man, dude, don't you know to charge your laser blaster before you head in the battle? Come on, rookie mistake. amateur hour. <laughs> Suddenly Tetsuo is in this, like, crazy glowing light, and he begins evaporating, like, literally evaporating, as he gets hit with soul. the space laser weapon, soul. Everyone sort of gasps. The old gang member Kai comes looking for Canada. Tetsuo is now missing an arm, uh, and Canada near Tetsuo... Like, Cain and Abel before them tries to hit him with a rock. It doesn't work, but it was an honest attempt. Work. Tetsuo flies up into the sky after the beam. Canada, despite being in the circle, the beam seems totally fine, so I guess they can, like, really aim with this thing. And Tetsuo, now in space, punches the soul weapon and blows it up in complete silence because in space, uh, again, no one can is. hear you scream. Let's how sick <laughs> that entire scene is, dude. It's complete silence. So he cool. punches a satellite. Come on. That's sick. That's incredible. That is a, such a night. Like, before fucking that Star Wars movie hit it, like, it was total silence. And he just punches through it. It's, it's a nice scene. I like it. 
it's it's solid it really uh it's very effective from like the chaos of the battle before it to just go to the absolute complete silence and hmm. it is accurate to the science of what it would sound like to be in space and punch a satellite so you know what props to them for doing their research so the soul starts firing like crazy all over the city rubble is falling everyone is sort of indiscriminately getting destroyed it's absolute freaking chaos kai and k oh no uh confusing appear on a bike and grab canada as they narrowly avoid death by soul tetsuo and akira now have the same brain scan song going on uh as the scientist observes sort of no no they don't have the same brain scan they have the exact opposite oh it's like yeah it's a yin and yang thing it's it's like so they have exact opposite like brave what brave form yeah or brain waves I don't know how the the scientist guy actually got like uh, not a curious a Tetsuo's like wave brain. Yeah, they have some sort is. of like live feed of it in a way. Like it, it updates in real time, and I I wonder if they like there's something with their experimentation where he is, is like being able to be tracked in a certain way by them because they they always seem to know where he is and they're always able to kind of like quickly figure out what's up with him and I, I have to assume it's because of something that they did while they were experimenting but it's not really explained if the scientist is just very good at tracking or if they have some sort of feed the colonel is pissed at the scientist who is uh incredibly excited by the data uh and he tells the scientist that um, he shouldn't have kept Tatsuo alive. The scientist is like, no, he was a good test subject, but he's gotten full yeah. Akira now. So you know what? Michael Crichton, we're always coming back to you, baby. Canada is fixing his bike because Canada has a one-track mind and that track is always on his bike. Kai and Kay are hanging around. They have a nice laugh about bikes being on fire. It's a sweet moment, I guess. It was, yeah. <laughs> it's this nice respite in the middle of the climax of the movie. We see Calvary walking towards um, the stadium steps where she finds this throne and pieces of Akira, uh, and suddenly the sound of Tetsuo screaming can be heard. The colonel also enters the stadium at this point. Calvary finds Tetsuo and helps him to the throne he's constructed for himself. She seems to genuinely care about him, um, but as the colonel appears, yeah. uh, Tetsuo seems to need... That was his... Sorry, I'm going to interrupt. Yeah, go for it. Tetsuo is like big thing, like in regards to the movie, like he didn't really care about anything except for him and his girlfriend, Kaori, leaving like to somewhere that wasn't Neo Tokyo, right? Yeah. It seems like like they're trying to like put that theme of like, it's a ghetto, where it's just like, you're born here, you stay here. Escaping from Neo Tokyo, from this place is a feat unto itself. Yeah. So that was his goal. Yeah, and everything has kind of been in service of that. At some point, you're like, oh, is he? what's he going to do now that he doesn't have a Kira? But it seems that the answer to that is, like you mentioned, just trying to get away from here, even if where he's trying yeah. to get is very abstra- abstract, as we'll later find out. Tetsuo seems to need some medicine or drugs to keep his power under control, but he doesn't want to go back and get it. Um, he asks Kaori to go get him medicine. The colonel shoots Tetsuo, but he um, shoots out his new horrifying robot. Wait, 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 before that, before or... that, let's talk about that one. Sorry, I'm, I'm doing this good. Yeah. Let's talk about that one scene where he's, where, like, his arm, like, has been, like, shot off, right? But he's sitting on the throne, and uh, his robot arm is, like, starting to, like, attach to the throne of itself. You know what I mean? His right arm? Yeah. Like, it's, like, the, the, the mechanics are, like, trying to, like, grab onto the throne right mm-hmm. that one scene like that animation is so gorgeous every single frame uh, i can't explain it without you seeing it or without somebody seeing it it's, it's so good yeah it's I, it's really like incredibly smooth animation and like 
I mean, it's horrifying to look at. This is, this is a point where a lot of the bar- body horror warnings are going to come into play. Yeah. But Here comes the good part. Yeah, 24 frames, 24 unique individual frames a second. Yep. That's why this, this movie looks like what it does. That is the frame rate like, of uh, classic like film cameras would always shoot at 24 frames per second. That's kind of like industry standard for that. Uh, now sometimes right. digital movies will shoot at 30, but that in animation is not necessarily super common. So for that to be here, it, it makes it really, really play very smoothly. And one other thing. So like Ghibli, like Studio Ghibli, the other like big like anime seatless uh, studio at that, at that time, the late 80s, they also did 24 frames a second, but they would take the same cell. They would take the same mm-hmm. cell of animation and they would photograph them or like show them at different angles. But Akira is 24 frames of unique cells. That's why it looks the way it does, especially in like those very smooth moments with like like that arm, for example. Mm-hmm. Like that's why it looks like the way it does. Yeah. And that's a- actually one of the reasons why I wanted to show it to you because of like just how weird and how fluid the animation looks and the sound design. No, it's it's like an incredibly well made is again, like as much uh creepy as it is in many aspects, it's also just like an incredible feat of uh construction in the film itself. So Tetsuo has this crazy mecha- mechanical arm. Uh, he's struggling to keep it under control. Uh, but he doesn't have too much time to dwell on it because uh Canada ex machina appears on his shiny red bike and distracts Tetsuo with a laser that he brought to a telepath fight. As the two uh, endless rivals uh, are about to face off, the young child who started this all appears along with the other uh, alien baby children. Canada, who continues to yell Tetsuo and appear from nowhere, continues to yell Tetsuo and appear from nowhere periodically. He's terrified of Tetsuo's horrific transformations, so at this point Tetsuo begins to sort of transform into this like blob of living nightmare fuel and wires and uh, well. tissue. It's... Oof. The first shot of Tetsuo like transforming is into that of a baby, a gigantic like little baby. Mm-hmm. Remember that? And like it's it's supposed to like refer back to the one shot of the lady alien baby, whose name I don't remember. Uh, like saying that like oh nobody can have this power except for the pure, the young, like young children. But Tetsuo is too grown up and too matured and too like hardened by this. So, like, him getting this power is going to be bad. And him turning into a baby is supposed to, like, I think, is supposed to refer to that back to that theme. Interesting. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, because I, I didn't catch that when I was first watching it, that he, he turned back into baby, but that, that would make sense with that. A, a gigantic, disgusting baby, but yeah. <laughs> Terrifying blob baby, but a blob baby nonetheless. Calry gets pulled into the Tetsuo blob along with Canada. The children are um, communing with Akira while this is all happening. Calry is crushed by the blob. Uh, Tetsuo is like psychically asking Canada to help. Canada gets ejected from the Tetsuo blob, uh, and the scientist is watching this whole thing on his like scope. The kids soon become one with the Tetsuo blob as Akira's samples burst open uh, and the blob recedes. Akira's samples are now glowing, and uh, the the image of the the child who was once Akira appears reformed in this like light and then we go to absolutely just that same bright light from before spreading across the screen um, as the tetsuo blob is contained within the cone of light well yeah they're making they're making a new universe (laughs) if you couldn't tell that's actually what they're doing yes 
Uh, Tetsuo grabs Canada. Uh, Takashi and the other children go in to save Canada because none of this is his fault, which, you know, they're not entirely wrong, even though it means that they will all die. Uh, Kay and Kai are watching on uh, as the light from the beginning of the movie spreads and engulfs the city um, once again. Canada is floating amidst the rubble. We get flashbacks to Tetsuo and Canada driving their bikes and as kid with how they met. Um, all the things that Tetsuo has been dreaming of throughout the movie. Um, we get to see some of the memories from the other kids uh, of their time in the program with Akira, of how they were um, experimented on as children. And, uh, they all seem sort of... The backstory, yeah. Like the backstory. Uh, now that we're in the last, you know, 20 minutes of the movie, it's a good time to get all that backstory information out of there. Uh <laughs> The kids seem very excited by Akira, and in voiceover revealed that the power is too big for everyone, but if they leave together, it's it's uh, capable of being somewhat contained. Canada thinks about Kay, and her voice wakes up Canada from his dream as the dome of light expands and fades. The scientist then informs us that what we're seeing is the birth of a universe itself, and then the scientist is promptly crushed by his own machines, so, you know... Score one for Crichton. Water then floods into the streets as buildings collapse, and I can only assume that pretty much everyone in Neo Tokyo drowns because the entire city just flooded and anywhere with high ground collapsed. The smoke clears and the cloud cover breaks and light shines on the destruction. For the first time all movie, we see sunlight. Kay is walking. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Kay is walking around looking for Canada, who is totally fine. Good for him. Uh, a tiny light force falls into his hand and glows for just a moment and thanks Kay for calling to him. Kai, looking at the broken bike, assumes Canada is dead and breaks down crying, which is so funny that the movie took a moment to, like, absolutely wreck this man's whole career. Like, he's totally fine, but they had to show his friend mourn him for just a hot second, even though we, the audience, already know he's totally okay. Wow, they really said, hey, Kai, <laughs> screw you, bro. Uh, the kids Tetsuo and Akiro have all left. They have a little friend reunion. Um, light shines on the trio of Kai, Canada, and Kay, who have now all found each other, and spotlights over survivors. Um, somehow the colonel survived, and then somehow even yeah. more wacky than anything else in this entire movie is that Canada's goddamn bike survived this movie. Yeah, it's, it's a symbol of the movie, dude. You can't break that bike. It's like... It's for that last shot. Yeah, it's... That, like, one last glory <sighs> shot of that red bike one last time. We fade to white. There's, like, a crazy light patterns, and voiceover informs us that these lights are Tetsuo by saying, I am Tetsuo. I am Tetsuo. Very biblical. Very Old Testament. Old Testament. <laughs> testim Not Old Testimonial. <laughs> <And> Tetsuo. <laughs> Old Testament. How do you combine the words Testament and Tetsuo? Because I know you can do it, but my brain is so Old fried. Old Testament. <laughs> All test of, ah. ah, wow. Yeah, excellent. Uh, work, but Jim. yeah, <laughs> yeah. But that, like, obviously, you know, like that last, like, little bit of light that uh, kind of holds his hand is like that universe. Mm -hmm. There's a whole stupid ass. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm 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 ripping on this, but like the the, the explanation for Akira making that whole new universe is like, oh, he borrowed the space of our universe, and he took his own time and he made his own universe. So I can hold Tetsuo in it, and now Tetsuo is okay because he's in his own universe destroying shit. But I that is the only part of this movie that I dislike. That he just like, oh, let me take the space out of uh normal universe and make it into my own universe. But yeah, that's like the only thing I dislike about this movie. Everything else is beautiful. Yeah, this movie is very like 
I don't know that I would go so far as to say I understand what was happening throughout most of it, but it's got so Nobody much does. style that it's still fun to watch, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, the reason why I chose this movie is because, like, it's objectively beautiful. Mm-hmm. It is... There's so much shit happening. Like, think about that one scene where all those, like, school kids are introduced. Like, there's, like, seven or eight people on that, uh, that, on that screen, right? Yeah. Yeah. Six out of those eight people don't matter. But there's so much animation going on in that one scene that didn't have to be there. Six out of those eight people die, right? <laughs> and it's just like, you don't have to do that. But, like, I don't know. It's, it's this beautiful-ass scene that, like, there's so much unnecessary shit that they do that if you're paying attention to it, mm-hmm. makes the movie even more gorgeous. Yeah, it's it's a it's truly a feat of animation, and it it's, does a lot. Seven different studios, dude. <laughs> Seven different studios worked on it. Dang, wait, that's they have a... that cash. Oof, oof. It it does a lot of like flavoring its world that that comes through from that detail of animation. Like it's very easy to pull some cyberpunk. Uh, and dystopian tropes and just like here is a dark and gritty city but there's so much like specific placement of neon and design elements in the city that give this whole film a a very distinct flavor from other cyberpunk dystopias Uh, and and definitely something that you could see influences on later entries into the similar genres Um, I mean the the bikes are an obvious example of that sort of uh cool method of transportation and i will expound at length about how much i absolutely love canada's all red fit like that yeah look. It, honestly so the outfits in this in this like in this movie are nice they are nice like people will like like will always steal like anime like outfits this mm-hmm. is the first place i started stealing anime outfits from <laughs> the, the like canada's like all red tracks so, like that's that's nice. a look like, that... with the capsule on the back and the matching bike mm. oh man mm. it, it both makes him mm. very easy imagine to find a car. <laughs> imagine having a car that matched your outfit that's oh. fucking sick <laughs> you, oh. you, 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 you pull up to the club and like your car is all red <laughs> And you walk out with the red tracks and you're like, hey, I'm trying to walk in. You cut the line. You're, you're, you're there. <laughs> you you are number one. Yeah. And it, it, it serves a purpose, though, too, because that sort of like very bright look makes him really stand out from the backgrounds that he's in. So he's always very easy to spot in these films. And I think that that yeah. ultimately works incredibly well as like a design. Cho- All the design choices in this movie are fantastic, but that's the one that I particularly uh, every time I saw Canada on screen with his full outfit, I just immediately was like, oh, serotonin. I love this. It's a beautiful film. Like, it's beautiful. I, if anybody says they understand this film, like, plot-wise fully, they're, they're lying. Like, it's, it's, it's false. There's 2,000 pages of manga that was being made while this movie was being made that, uh, like, that are, like, mm-hmm. incorporated into, like, the beginning, middle, ending of this film. Right? Yeah. It's, it is a movie that was being made while the manga was made, and because it was made like a couple months before like the manga ended, it is like it's a legitimate way to like experience this anime or this like story, mm-hmm. because it's being made during the beginning, middle, and almost the end of the of the anime it was based off. Yeah, it's a kind of movie where I'm like I wouldn't necessarily recommend this to someone for the story of it because no. it's baffling. But it is the, the, still I don't even know what the story is, dude. I'm watching it like <laughs> double digit times. I don't know what it is. 
it's still worth watching though because of the feat of art that it is and because it is so good at selling you on the ambiance of the story that it, the plot points at a certain point kind of don't matter anymore. Yeah. It, it's more about like the look and what feelings that it is trying to convey more so than like what is actually happening. Exactly. Well, when you see it as just like some as like as a form of media that people will be able to just like take inspiration from, mm-hmm. then you can really, really like appreciate it. Like it's just, it's literally just like a gorgeous film. Like that's how I see it. I real talk. I don't really give a fuck about the plot, but it's because it's it's like all over the place, and I haven't read the manga. But it's just so pretty, and like the storylines that it does tell are very well said. And, like, they're very well visually represented. Well, thank you, Raj, for selecting such a lovely film. That's about all the time that we have for today. We've had the absolute pleasure of watching Akira. We'll be back in two weeks with even more fun content. Raj, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. And uh, we'll catch you all next time. Goodbye. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Movie Struck. We'll be back on April 26th with a new guest to watch another sci-fi bike flick, Tron Legacy. If you enjoyed the show, please rate us and leave a review. And if you have a question, comment, or concern, feel free to reach out to the pod through moviestruckpod at gmail.com. If you want more Raj, links to his social handles can be found in the show notes below.